This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, New Life. It's great to be with you this morning. I was really looking forward to seeing your faces in person uh, this morning, but the rain had other plans for us. So I miss you. I miss you already. Hope you're staying cozy and warm in your house. Um, again, my name's Christy, and <laughs> I am a city girl. I don't know if any of you are city people. Anyone else love the city? <laughs> I grew up in L.A., so being in a big city is kind of second nature to me. Um, and so the last seven years, uh, Joel and I have lived in Canada. We lived in the backwoods of northern Ontario, and there was no big cities there, not for maybe like 16 hours driving to get to the next big, big city. Um, and so every year when we were living there, my friends and I, we would try and take a trip to go to a big city because we just, I love it. Um, I love walking, I love eating, I love taking in all the sights. Um, and so in 2019, some girlfriends and I, we went to New York City. We were staying downtown. And we were just having the best time. We called it the Moms on the Loose trip. Um, So a whole bunch of girlfriends, just kid-free, living it up, taking in the sights. Um, And it was like 1 in the morning, and we're like in our hotel room. We're like, what are we doing inside? We need to be out there taking it all in. So we go out. We're walking the streets, walking through uh, Rockefeller Center. And what do you do when you're in a big city? Well, what I do is I take out my phone and I open my Instagram story and I start filming selfie style. Hey, everybody, we're in New York, (laughs) that kind of thing. We're walking through and I can hear my friends um, just like going, Christy, Christy. And they just start like laughing hysterically. And I'm like, I'm vlogging. Don't interrupt me, you know. Um, And I'm just thinking I am like so cool. And they are just roaring. They are laughing so hard because what I had not realized was that while I was so busy vlogging and showing the sides of the city, I had stepped into a toilet seat cover and it had wrapped around my foot and I had been dragging it for blocks and blocks, just dragging it. And it had formed like this little like scoop on the back. And so not only was I dragging it, but it had like collected trash with it along the way. And I'm just walking and talking and like thinking I'm so cool. Uh, but in reality, I look absolutely ridiculous. Um, and I'm so grateful that I have friends who were willing to say, uh, Christy, you know, you got stuff on the back of your feet. Um, and that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus is like that good friend who won't let you walk around the city with a toilet seat cover stuck to the bottom of your foot. <laughs> and I think Jesus wants to free us from looking ridiculous this morning, okay? So we are in this eight-week series um, And we are unpacking Jesus' most famous teaching, his Sermon on the Mount. And he is laying out for us what it looks like um, to step into the life that God is calling us to live. And it's a life that is beyond us. It's nothing we could ever do on our own. But he's laying it out for us. And he's showing us a new way to be human. So we're going to open our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 1. If you have them, pull them out. I know we're online, but... Get them out there. You're going to want to read this. 
And these are Jesus' words to us this morning. He says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. So I love this. This is Jesus saying, watch out. He's that good friend that doesn't let you walk through the city with a toilet seat cover stuck to your foot. And when he says, watch out, it's a cue for you and I to pay attention because we know that he is looking out for us. He's got our back. And Jesus is reminding us that you and I might see things one way on the surface, but God actually sees things much deeper than that. He sees us for who we really are. And he is the only one who knows our hearts completely. He knows our motives, and there is no hiding or pretending with him. You see, you and I, we can be fooled by people. In fact, we can be fooled pretty easily, but God can't be. And I have come to this point in my life where I've realized, okay, you know, I can see the fruit in somebody's life, but that's about it. I can't see their heart. I can't know their thoughts. I can't know their intentions or motives. Like, that is God's job. And this is actually a very freeing thing, saying, God, I trust you as the judge of my life. You see me, and you also see every single person who has ever lived. And that is a job that only God can do. I don't know about you guys, but I get overwhelmed just turning the news on. Like, I can't take more than five minutes of it. I have to turn it off. It just is so overwhelming to me to see all the problems and everything going on because I wasn't meant to handle that. But God is actually big enough and able to judge correctly, and he can handle it all. He sees it all. And this is why living for the approval of him and him alone is so freeing, because his judgments are perfect. And his judgments are so perfect that in the scriptures, we're actually told that the angels around his throne cry out day and night, 24 hours, seven days a week. They cry, holy, holy, holy. That's how perfect he is. And that is really good news for us. Holy means that there are no errors in him. There is no darkness. There is no sin. There is no misjudgment. He sees everything perfectly. And one day, all of our wrongs, all of our sin, all of our rebellion are going to be brought to the light and they're going to be dealt with. And this is really good news for you and I because the scriptures tell us that anyone who trusts in Jesus, trusts who he said he is, is going to find mercy in that day. But because God knows us so well, there's actually no reason to masquerade around. There's no reason for us to project anything or virtue signal. We have nothing to prove to anyone. 
And so God is saying, when you do your good deeds to be admired by others, to me, I see what's really going on here. And you look like you're vlogging with a toilet seat cover stuck to the bottom of your shoe. God says, if you want to look right on the outside, then be right on the inside. And that means that our motives are important. They matter to God. Doing good deeds for God's sake, because it's the right thing to do, not to be admired by others. See, when you and I, when we put other people in that, that judge's seat, we give them a place that only God can fulfill, actually. And it actually does them damage because it's a burden that's too big for anyone to bear. And people were never meant to be given that kind of authority in our lives. And it doesn't go well for us either, right? Because we actually become a slave to their approval. Uh, there's a famous pastor named Rick Warren, and one of, one of the things he says, he says, if you live for the approval for others, you will die by their rejection. If you live for the approval of others, you will die by their rejection. Because people can't understand your heart. People don't know what you think when no one else is around. People don't know what your intentions are. And when we put that burden on them, they fail us because we were made to find our security in God and God alone. I believe that Jesus wants to free us from the need to impress other people this morning. Jesus is saying, when you give, check your motives, check your heart. Are you doing it for the likes? Are you doing it for your own ego? Are you doing it to fill the ache in your heart to be longed, uh, to be accepted and loved by others? Um, are you doing it for your own selfish amb ambition? Jesus is saying, or is your motive to follow me? Is your motive to listen to me? Is your motive to worship me, even if nobody was around to see it? You know, the other day I walked out of the office, and there was a woman uh, here in the parking lot at New Life. Her name is Patty Bruce. And she was just out on her hands and knees in the hot sun, pulling weeds out of our planters. And I was just so amazed by that. And I looked at that and I thought, man, I think, I think that God takes extra delight and he gives extra blessings to people who show their devotion to him behind the scenes in details that nobody will ever see but, but him. And I'm convinced that our purest moments of worship are done when we are living for an audience of one. Because in these moments, we're secure in his love for us. And it's like, God, I'm so secure in your love for me that, like, I don't need anyone to like me. I don't need to prove myself to anyone. I don't care who's watching or not. But I know that I am loved at the deepest level by you. And your opinion, God, is what matters most to me. You are the true judge of my life. You are the only one who can judge my heart and my motives without a flaw and I'm not going to give that permission to anyone else on this earth. Jesus this morning is inviting us to live for God and God alone, to trust him, to sort out our reputation. And this is really beautiful because when we do this, we actually get a front row seat into the miracle of watching God show up in ways that only he could do and we could never do for ourselves. So there's kind of two things that I see with this passage. Um, 
the first thing is that Jesus cares way more about the fact that our heart is in the right place, that our motives are pure, than he does about us doing the right thing but having the wrong motives, okay? So our heart posture is most important to God. But what the interesting thing to me is that Jesus isn't saying here, don't do good deeds. He's actually assuming that these good deeds will be a part of our life. So the second thing that I want us to see in this passage this morning is that Jesus is saying, when your heart is right, you will want to do what is right. Okay, so let's look at what he says here, starting in verse 5. He says, when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by the repeating of their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Pray like this. And then Jesus gives us this beautiful example of a prayer, um, and we're going to go into that prayer and focus on it specifically in a couple of weeks later in the series. So we're going to move on to verse 16 for now. It says, And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. For they try to look miserable and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. So I love how Jesus says, when you pray, and when you give, and when you fast. The issue isn't whether or not you should be doing these things, but how and why. And Jesus assumed that these things are valid, and that we should do them as we live out our relationship with God. Because when our heart is right, we will have the desire to give, and pray, and fast. Jesus wants these things to flow naturally out of our relationship with him not out of religious duty, but out of a heart that is right with God. So let me encourage you this morning, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus, look at your life. Because these things can be indicators of a healthy relationship with Jesus. So I'm married to Joel, who I love. And when we were early married, we went through the five love languages books. Um, And Joel's love language is acts of service. So I know there are certain things that I can do, and he feels so loved uh, when I take the time to do them, okay? So one of the things is um, Joel and I have very different preferences when it comes to riding in the car in the climate, okay? So Joel loves to have the air vents pointing directly at his face at all times. If he can't feel that cold air, he feels like he can't breathe. Whereas I am completely the opposite. Any other couples like that? (laughs) I think it's kind of difficult. Uh, If I feel like the slightest draft, I'm like, point that vent on the other side of the car. I cannot handle it for a second. So when I take Joel's car out, when I borrow it, one of the things that he feels so loved is if I take the time to put the vents back to 
full-on face mode uh, after I drive his car. He feels really loved by that. Um, Joel also, at night, he loves to sleep with brown noise on. Um, brown noise is kind of similar to white noise, except it's like a little bit fuller. I don't love it, but I will do it because it's important to Joel, and he cares about it. Um, Joel loves it when I make him a coffee when he's running out the door and he has a busy day ahead. He loves it when I take the trash out for him so he doesn't have to do it after a long day of work. And I do these things not <laughs> to get people to admire me for being such a great wife. Um, I don't do these things to manipulate Joel. I don't do these things to earn his love somehow. No, like I do them because I care about Joel. And so what Joel cares about, I care about. And in the same way, when we give and we pray and we fast, to Jesus, that's like sleeping with the brown noise on. That's like pointing the air vents back at his face, saying, I love you, Jesus, and I care about what you care about. Because Jesus literally teaches us how to love him. In John 14, he says this. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. So, like, I know that might sound funny because I said that same thing to Joel. I don't think it would go over well. <laughs> uh, if you love me, you'll obey me. Um, that would be selfish, right? Uh, because I can be a selfish person. But God isn't like you and I. Uh, he's holy, remember, the angels? And that means that he is so good, and he is so loving, and he is so kind, that when he says, if you love me, you'll do what I say, it's because his words are actually leading us out of death and into life. If you want an indicator of your love for Jesus, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll listen to my words, you'll trust me, you'll do what I say. So, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Because Jesus is calling us to be a church of generosity, a church of prayer, and a church of sacrifice. So my question for you this morning is, do you pray? Do you give? Do you fast? I think that it's challenging for some of us longtime Christians because it's easy to say, oh yeah, I remember like five years ago, that awesome thing happened. I'm a person of generosity and sacrifice <laughs> and prayer. Awesome. Have you done those things recently? Because following Jesus is a day-by-day -day journey. At the beginning of this year, I felt that God was drawing me into some of these things in a very uh, deep way, specifically in the area of fasting, because I'd never really done it before. And I know that, like many of you, 2020 was probably the most challenging year of my life. And I felt I needed God so desperately, like more desperately than I have ever needed him to show up before in my life. And so I used these things as a tool to help me draw closer to him. So in January, Ron and Joel and I, we decided we we're going to do a three-week fast. And we're going to pray uh, for our church, for our city and the year ahead of us. And what I found was that, as for me personally, as I drew near to God, he drew near to me. 
And as I fasted and I prayed, he comforted me and he filled me with vision for the future. And he empowered me with his Holy Spirit to push through the year and all the challenges that laid there. And I found that he stepped in, he came close, he replaced my despair with hope. And I'm not saying this to like say how cool I am. I'm saying this to you because giving and praying and fasting are ways that are available to you, not just to pastors or super Christians. Uh, They're available to you to experience a deeper relationship with God because they make us more dependent on God. When we give, it frees our heart from greed. Uh, because we're depending on God versus stuff. And when we pray, it frees our heart from isolation because we're depending on God's words versus our limited perspective. And when we fast, it frees our heart from carrying 100% of the burden because we're depending on God's power versus our own ability. And this is the secret relationship that happens between us and God. And it is such a source of life. It's a source of rich life. And it's a life where our heart is in tune with God, where we are free from carrying burdens that we were never meant to carry, where we experience the friendship, the protection, the provision from a God who loves you so much. And not only do we get more of God, But I love how Jesus also says, like, he doesn't shy away from this idea of reward. Like, he actually wants to give you the most out of this life. This is his heart for you. He wants you to be motivated by the right rewards, not to impress people. And he plays up to our desire to experience the most rewarding thing. Um, That's why he warns us, when you do this stuff for show, you're going to lose your reward. So he says, give your gifts in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. Pray to your father in private, then your father who sees everything will reward you. Fast, and your father who knows what you do in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. He says this three times, okay? So he's really encouraging us to go for it. So let's talk about reward a little bit. What is the reward? Well, number one, the reward is a closer relationship with God. In Jeremiah, it says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That's a promise from God that you can cling to. And in the Psalm 25, verse 14, it says, friendship, God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones he confides in. So God's saying, you want to be in my inner circle? Listen and follow. Because the primary way that God speaks to us is through the scriptures. And you want to know what Jesus has to say? I'd recommend just start with the book of John. Those are his words. That's his story. The second reward here is treasure in heaven. And, you know, there is an actual reward that you and I are going to walk into someday and we're going to receive. And I don't know where we got this kind of false idea, but I think somewhere along the way, um, we we got this idea that, like, God is fair and everyone's going to get a trophy. And everyone's, it's like, you know, when we used to play soccer and we get a participation trophy and some good games and a Capri Sun, everybody got the same thing. Don't be fooled. God's not like that. Yes, anyone who believes in Jesus will have eternal life. But there is a way to gain greater advantage in the next life. Because one day Jesus is going to come back 
And when he returns, he will actually reward each believer according to what they invested their life in here on earth. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. We're going to have glorified bodies. We're going to live on a better earth. It's going to be like this one, but way better, not broken. Jesus is going to be our king. How awesome is that? We're going to work and make cool stuff. Uh, we're going to play together. We're going to be best friends. We're just going to run around and have the best life ever for eternity. And that's why the scriptures say, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Because it's actually treasure. And it's a greater advantage in the next life. And the scriptures are very clear. There is a reward for people who put their resources to work. And there is a loss of reward for people who waste their life. So the third type of reward we get to see is God's kingdom brought to earth here and now. And we can partner with God and bring heaven to earth. So when we give our resources, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. When we pray, God, your kingdom come, he does the heavy lifting. And when we fast, we experience God's, God at work in our weakness. And I'll take these rewards a hundred times over a pat on the back or an Instagram like or recognition or the admiration of others because those things are about as cute as vlogging with a toilet seat cover wrapped around your foot. And getting to be a part of what God is doing now is so much better than any of that. So I have a 15-year-old daughter. Her name's Indy. And um, she recently had the opportunity to do some police work, actually. And she goes undercover as a decoy to stores and restaurants. Um, the police give her a fake ID, and she goes in and she tries to buy alcohol. Um, and the goal of this is to um, prevent minors from buying alcohol in the city and checking to make sure that the businesses have their proper protocols in place. And Indy has kind of a love-hate relationship with it um, when they don't sell alcohol to her. Uh, she loves it because it means that they're doing their job and they're protecting the youth in our city. She loves that part. <laughs> but she also hates it because it means that she gets judged and she gets treated poorly. Uh, so, like, she went in <laughs> to buy alcohol and they give her a fake ID and the picture looks like nothing like her in real life. Um, so she's got her case of White Claw and she goes up to the register and get <laughs> and tries to buy it, and the lady looks at the ID, and looks at her, and looks at the ID, and looks at her, and goes, hmm, when's your birthday? And Indy's like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and the lady just threw the ID at her and said, I can't sell this to you. And Indy was like, inside, she was like, yay! But she also hates that feeling of being misjudged. Um, She's seen as kind of a rebel or a delinquent or a criminal. And I was kind of concerned for her after her first time doing this because she got home that night. She slept for like 10 hours straight. Um, but the opportunity came for her to do it again. And I said, you don't, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. But she said, I do. I want to do it because it's the right thing to do. And even if I'm misunderstood for a minute, I'm helping and I'm protecting our community. And I love that posture because it's the same way when we live our life for an audience of one. Like, do I trust Jesus to go with his definition of reality? 
Do I trust Jesus enough to look past the surface and allow him to define what real life looks like? Do I trust Jesus enough to say, God, search my heart and change me from the inside out. Heal me by the power of your Holy Spirit because I want a pure heart. God, I confess that I don't have the desire to pray and give and fast in and of myself. Would you change my heart to desire to do those right things? God, I confess I have been so caught up in what people think about me. Would you come and free me from their opinions this morning? God, I confess that my ambitions don't come from wanting to follow you. Would you help me to be who you're calling me to be? God, I want you. Would you change my heart this morning? You know, I don't care how it looks to anyone else. I want the real thing. I want Jesus. Even if nobody else gets it, God, you do. And I entrust my life to you and you alone. So let's pray. Father, I just thank you that you're here. You are at work in our story, God. And we want to say yes to you. Whatever that looks like, Father, we invite you into our hearts. There are things that we just can't do on our own. We need you to come. We need you to do the heart work by the power of your Holy Spirit because it's something that only you can do. And you are so good. And you are leading us into the path of life. And we are so thankful for, for that this morning. So would you quiet all the other voices in our life? And would you speak the loudest to us, Jesus? In your name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.